Pump up the volume on your parenting with Parent Pump Radio. Tune into something different that makes a difference. At Parent Pump Radio, instead of a ripple, we choose to create a splash. Get energized, get inspired, and get informed with how to parent in the new millennium. With your host and parent coach super guide, Jacqueline T.D. Wynn. Hi, this is Jacqueline T.D. Wynn. Welcome to Parent Pump Radio. Our show is all about dynamic family leadership, becoming financially free, and leaving a profound legacy for our children. Do you want to learn how to make money through real estate investing? Get my new book on Amazon called True Legacy Wealth, Creating Generational Wealth Through Real Estate Investing. Join our turnkey real estate investing program where we acquire, renovate, and manage for you. You just purchase and prosper. We're your team in a package, and all our properties are between seventy-five and two hundred thousand in cash flow now. So sign up for a free membership, and you'll get a forty-five-minute complimentary consultation. Go to integrativeminds.com and schedule a time. The link is in the show notes. And if you're looking for a speaker for your organization, podcasts, shows, or event, please contact me at info@integrativeminds.com to schedule a meeting time. Our show is available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, YouTube, and syndicated on RethinkRadio.org, OneIdeaAway.com, and Armed Radio. Okay, so our guest today is the founder of Future Skills. It's a consulting company that examines emerging forms of expertise, skills, and training for the new world of work. This is something your children my children, our children, needs to hear right now. So she also freelances as an AI chat box designer and conversational AI analyst with a focus on reducing negative impact on user. She was an associate director of career services at Yale School of Management, where she led cutting-edge career workshops for international MBA students and global executives. Now, her non-traditional career has always had a global twist. She's worked as an adventure salesperson in New Zealand, a private jet travel writer for both the Four Seasons and National Geographic private jet tours, a global program manager in Thailand, and a business development led for a London-based tech startup. She is also an author, and we're going to talk more about her book that she's launching later on in the show. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce you to Nicole Mero. Hi, Nicole. Hi, thanks so much. How are you doing? Very good, thanks. I'm uh, chatting with you from Portland, Oregon, so yes. it's lovely here. Welcome. I love that you have traveled around the globe. I, I did that when I was 30. It's so wonderful to get to see different parts of the world. Yeah, I, I would say I was pretty much driven by that in my 20s was really that that drive to kind of explore different cultures and places and just a relentless curiosity. And you know, I love it that you have kind of brought it back home. And this is about the students and the family and what do we do about all these student loans that oh my goodness crazy yeah. right because they're not yeah. making the money that they're supposed to be making so they can't pay it off and they're not getting the jobs and learning the skills that they should be learning so let's mm -hmm. talk about that we had traditional career advice and you're saying it's outdated. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of us, um, you know, many of us were raised with the idea of, you know, the career men ladder mentality that we would just, you know, you're going to 
go to school, you get your major, you get out and you get into that company and boom, you're set. And I mean, I graduated undergraduate, you know, 15 years ago, and that was certainly the, the message I got, right? And um, that's just not the case anymore. This idea that we have a career ladder. There was a stat that came out um, from one of the top consulting firms that said, you know, only of, of traditional Fortune 500, only 19% of companies have a um, career path defined in their company. It's only 19%. It means like all of us that are going into these companies really don't have a clear path of where we're going. Right. And as we think about how jobs are changing, thanks to new technology and new business models, that starts to, um, that starts to shape, reshape not just the big organizations, but the smaller organizations as well. Right. So this idea that we're just going to you know, stay on this one path, maybe we'll have like one change, is just completely gone. And what we're going to see is, a, is really a career of multiple career changes. And that really changes how we should approach um, both you know, our schooling and um, how we approach gaining new skills. So what is the emerging career path? And then how do you get into them? Sure. So right now what we see is more of a trend of what's called hybrid jobs. And these are jobs that combine both tech skills and people skills together. Um, so for example, the, the type of job that I'm in right now, um, I'm a conversational designer. This is a really new job. And what that means is I essentially um, make chatbots, which are programs that uh, mimic uh, human conversation. You often have them on e-commerce sites, things like that. And I make them sound more human. <laughs> so okay. I use my background in language and um, understanding people um, and conversation. Uh, and then my uh, interest in AI and artificial intelligence and some of the tech around that um, to do my job. And I work across departments. Um, I'm not, you know, I work with engineers. I work with salespeople. I work with account managers. And it's really an interdisciplinary job. And these are the type of jobs for the future. They are interdisciplinary. They don't stay in one path. So, you know, we tend to think of tech jobs as like IT people, right? And that's not the case anymore. Even, even the industry tech, like it's, it's huge. It's everywhere. It's, um, it permeates other industries, not just like the Facebooks and the Googles, right? So what we're seeing for emerging careers is really um, an infusion of skills um, that cross different disciplines. And these are the jobs of the future. So it's like having, if you need the soft skills, which mm -hmm. is all the inside stuff, yep. right? And then the hard skills is what we can teach. Absolutely. So what are some, you call it power skills. Yes. Right. <laughs> and so can you tell us what are the power skills and then how do you use it to build influence in, in your life? Yeah, definitely. So power skills, uh, they're, so there's three that I like to start off with the main ones, which are communication skills. Those are your soft skills, right? A, a lot of those. So you got communication skills, which is like this huge bucket of skills, right? And they're also the skills that people think they have, but they don't always have, right? Sure, everyone can talk and write an email, right? We're right. communicating. Yeah. But we all know that, that that's really not not real communication. Um, you know, it's that ability to uh, be open to different perspectives, to have active listening skills, to be able to get up and give a presentation to 40 people, you know, and get your message across or persuade. Those are communication skills, right? Being able to adapt your message to different audiences. And that's so powerful in the workplace, um, especially when you think about, you know, um, you know, how you get ahead, right? Your ability to put your ideas out there, to take constructive feedback, um, to uh, share creative ideas, right? So communication is a big one and it's one that you have to work at, right? You just don't get communication skills just by writing a paper in college. Right. Or right? just opening your mouth. Yeah, exactly. I think we've all had that boss that is like talk at you instead yeah, yeah. of like with you, you know, right. they don't have communication skills. Right? Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so that's one of them. Um, writing in particular is, is a big one um, that you see today. And then, you know, the other two I would say are digital skills and data fluency skills. So digital skills, you, you know, we've heard a lot about learning to code and I think that's um, very valuable, but we don't all have to become software engineers or software developers. Um, and I don't think we should, right? But I do think the people from, we need more people working in tech that have diverse backgrounds. And so those people that maybe come from a liberal arts or maybe they come from a science background, they need to understand the way that um, technology or software platforms are built. They need to understand the different types of uh, programming languages that are used and how they're used and really get curious about how engineers work. Right. And so those are some of those digital skills. And that's also understanding software platforms and communication platforms, because at, in the workplace, you know, so many of us use these tools to communicate. And I don't know about you, but I've seen a lot of people in the workplace go like, yeah, technology, you know, I can't. Yeah, that's not for me. And it's like you can't have that mentality. anymore. You have to really dive in and say, OK, this is a new piece of software. What does it do? You know, how do I use it? Right. Um. And then the third one, uh, I would say for the power skills, uh, the top three um, are data fluency. So we're probably aware of all the data that is being collected and used. Yes, um, it's been in the news a lot, obviously, with Facebook. Sometimes and data breaches. illegal, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And so really getting familiar with what does that actually mean? What kind of data is being used um, in your workplace? What kind of da data do they capture about, um, you know, the customers? How is it being used to make product decisions? Um, you know, we've talked a lot about students, but these are kind of more mid-career situations. But these students that are coming up that are getting jobs, you know, even entry-level jobs, you'll see, you know, familiar with, you know, databases or data analytics, right? Anyone that's doing social media is, is familiar with data analytics, right? We're all looking at analytics. And so how do you use that in the workplace to make decisions? Um, and how do you communicate that data in a way that makes sense to other people who may not have access to that data? Those are power skills. Now, how do you learn those things if you don't have it right now? Right. So it, it really depends on where you're at in your career. So if we're thinking about mid-career professionals, you have incredible content online. I think that's um, one of the, the best part about where we're at um, in our life is that we have access to so much good stuff online, right? Um, uh, not all of us have been taught how to self-teach ourselves or, you know, how to develop a learning habit every day, right? We talk about productivity habits, but we need learning habits. Um, so I would say start by, you know, getting curious. If you're thinking about you know, you want to learn about uh, digital skills. You want to learn about, you know, just the basics of programming. Um, Harvard has, a, a, it's called CS50. Uh, and it's an introduction to all the different programming. Um, and it's taught by a Harvard professor and he makes it really accessible. And even if you're a person who's like, I've never even thought about coding in my life, right? You could start there and you would have a basic knowledge of these of these coding languages. And then from there, it's it's getting curious about, okay, well, maybe I'm not good at, self-teaching, right? Maybe I need to do something that's more um, structured. You can look at um, online learning programs. So that's great if you know you need to fit it into your busy day. Um, maybe you've only got 30 minutes a day and you're like, this is my 30 minutes for myself, right? To learn. Or maybe you go into a boot camp, an intensive um, boot camp that takes place after work or something like that. I actually just interviewed um, a college graduate. He's two years out of, of um, his uh, graduate, or excuse me, his undergraduate program, and he went to a data science boot camp for six months because he had a communication background and storytelling background, and he wanted data science skills to merge them together. So you just Google data science boot camp yeah, or something like that. Exactly, and now you want to do your research because there is a wide variety out there. You oh, know, I'm sure. Still, 
four private schools that are popping up and some are good and some are not. Um, there's a great website um, called Course Report um, that ranks these schools um, and these boot camps that'll help, um, you know, help you decide, you know, which one is a good fit. And then thinking about, you know, what's your learning style? Do you want to learn online? Do you want to learn on per in person? This like is my cat. Hi, cat. <laughs> yeah, I saw him just cruising by right there. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> just her way of saying hi. Don't yeah. don't forget like me. Your co-host. Yes, my co-host. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. No. And so so just you have you know you have all these options. Do your due diligence and take the time to reflect. What is your learning style? For me, online courses can be really challenging because you have to self-motivate. And I have my own business, so I'm already self-motivating all day. So to add self-motivation on top of it, I'm doing it right now. But I've also paired it with, you know, a mentor at my job. So I found someone really young who can teach me these skills. And I also just found out a friend the other day, he actually knows some of, um, some of the things that I'm working on. So he offered to teach me and show me because a lot of these skills are applied, right? You can't learn to write from watching a video. You have to actually write. It's like riding a bike too. You can't yes. you can watch a video you want, but you got to get on it. Yeah. So that's the second piece is you have to actually apply these skills. Once you have the knowledge and, and you do that by either finding projects at your work or co collaborating with a friend, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. What about someone that's starting a high school senior or someone that's in college yeah. and they already picked their major? How should they go about getting into these power skills? Yeah, I would say look for interdisciplinary opportunities. Um, some schools are starting to move towards that way. Look for independent projects where you can work with people from different backgrounds. So if you're in a business school, go work with someone that maybe is in public policy or the med school or an art student. So you get experience working with people from different backgrounds. Now, I know a lot of students don't like group projects. Totally get that. But you know, collaboration is another power skill. Um, you know, And your ability to, to communicate and work with people and buildings from different backgrounds is going to go so far in your, um, in your career. Even at the early stage, you will stand out to employers, right? Um, communication skills. So being able to, you know, manage a project and, um, you know, get things done, make a presentation about it, put it up on your own website. So you have something to show employers, right? These are all things that you can do as a student that maybe you're not being taught, or maybe you just haven't thought about while you're in school. So I would say look for the interdisciplinary projects and then take classes outside of your major. Um, I think we you know, tend to think about it as a minor, but you don't necessarily have to minor in it. But go get some exposure to different backgrounds because interdisciplinary um, thinking and work and leadership is the future of work. We're not siloed anymore. Yeah, it seems like there's a lot of tech companies coming out. I mean, we are going towards technology, so it makes sense. Is this how you would get a job in a intelligence company without having a tech background? Yeah. So as a, yeah, it, in part, yeah. So I'd say study the tech. So in my case, like I didn't, I did not have a background in artificial intelligence. I don't have a background in um, coding. What I do have a background in is qualitative analysis, user experience and research and language. And I'm working on a chatbot and all of those things, you know, because this is cutting edge technology and you see this in emerging tech, um, you know, they're looking for people with different backgrounds right? Because you got to work with the engineers and the engineers can't write good copy, right? <laughs> you know, they're not thinking about the users. They're thinking about how do I build a system, right? And um, so what I did is I took about six months to really go deep and studying everything I could about artificial intelligence, how it works, natural language processing. Um, and then I picked a vertical. And what I mean by that is we talk about tech, right? Tech is huge. 
we have so many uh, niche areas in tech. You know, we hear about um, ad tech, that's advertising technology, right? MarTech, marketing technology. There's even, um, there's ed tech, educational technology. And so getting, um, my specialty is HR tech. So um, basically human resources, the way that um, artificial intelligence is being used in human resources and the workplace. That's my specialty. And I spent, um, you know, a good six months reading about it, um, writing about it, and really getting to understand it. So that way I had the language and vocabulary to speak about it when I was actually engaging with employers. And then knowing your background, right? Knowing what you can bring. I think too often we, we forget what we're actually bringing to the table, especially if you're trying to change into tech. You've got all these skills. Don't be blinded by the fact that you don't have coding skills. Figure out what it is you bring to the table and then pitch that. Another thing that you talk about a lot about is remote jobs. And I see that a lot moving towards that. Yes. And I think with, I mean, I live in Los Angeles. I don't know about the traffic where you are, but oh, really, yeah, we all are. have our own bubble now <laughs> because it's horrible. And so yeah. a remote job is, is ideal for most people yes. and especially yes. as parents. Um, yes, absolutely. How do you get a remote job? Yeah. So um, I love that you brought that up because I'm actually a brand new parent and uh, I am so grateful to have a remote job. It's actually my third remote job and it's incredible. Like the other day, my partner forgot to bring bottles uh, to daycare and I had the flexibility to, you know, in the middle of my morning up and go to daycare and drop off the bottles. So um, I understand the value of it. And what we're seeing is, um, so to answer your question, how to get a remote job, um, one, learn about the types of remote companies. There, there are different types. You have all remote. Um, so they're often called fully distributed teams. That's everyone from admins to the CEO are remote. Then you have some companies that are partially remote. So they may have a team that's remote. They may have somebody, um, a couple of people on their team that are remote. The company I work for right now, it's a startup. It's um, uh, under 100 people, but they're well-funded. And they have multiple remote workers. And before I got that job, I knew I wanted a remote job. Um, and before I got that job, I went on a LinkedIn to see, do they have anyone working remotely? And they did. So I knew that in negotiation, I could, I actually negotiated my job as remote. It wasn't actually remote. So that's possible too. And then you want to find out, okay, how do they manage remote workers? Now this is tricky, but it, but it helps because you want to join, you don't want to just join any company, you know, that says they have remote because managing remote workers is different from managing you know, in-person workers. And so being able to talk to people that maybe work remotely for that company using informational interviews to engage with them will help you get a sense of that culture. Um, so that's how you go get a remote job. And that's also understanding all the technology, right? We're using communication platforms, Zoom. I, I work on Zoom all day. I work on Slack all day. Um, you know, being able to troubleshoot on your own, right? Being able to like, I can't just turn to my coworker and be like, hey, what's the problem here, Right. So you have to be the kind of person who's like, you can solve problems, ask questions. You can't be shy about asking questions and then have a online presence. You know, they don't know who you are. So if they Google you and they only see like a half filled in LinkedIn profile, like that's not going to work. I have LinkedIn, I have Twitter and a personal website. You could do that. You could go, go, go into um, Squarespace and get a quick, you know, just pay, do the basics, get a, make a personal website and there you have a, you have a web press and then you can negotiate. I'm going fast because I know we're on a limited time and it's such yeah, a big no, subject. No, it's great. It's, great. Just... it's okay because you know, people can contact you if they have yeah. more questions. It's perfect. We all have different lifestyles, right? Yes. And I think even with remote job, like as a parent, like you were saying, sometimes you have to go or maybe your partner has a certain schedule and you need to go around that. Yeah. How do you craft that career that fits your lifestyle? 
Yeah. So I'm actually real passionate about that, uh, that idea of crafting around lifestyle. Cause I don't think we were really raised for that. Right. We were raised to think hey, I'm going to craft my career to this path. Right. Yeah. And so if we now have no path. It's kind of like open. And so we have this opportunity. And so I think it's being honest about actually taking the time to reflect and say, what is important to me right now? I will tell you in my twenties, uh, the only thing that mattered to me was, can I save up enough money to quit this job and go travel again? Right, right. And then it was like, well, how can I find jobs in foreign countries? That was all I cared about. By the time I was in my 30s, I was like, can I get a good job with 100% benefits paid? Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, I had different things and now I've evolved in, I want location independence. I don't want to be tied to a place um, and I want flexibility. Remote and flexibility often overlap, but flexibility um, also means I don't have to be on from nine to five. I can work, I can start at 10 and work till seven. I could start at seven and work till three. I can take a break in my day. Absolutely, um, absolutely. And I looked, I, that was what I prioritized above everything else. And so that helps shape what you do. And that helps shape, you know, you know, if you're the type of person who's like, you know what, I'm not chasing the VP. I don't need to, you know, uh, one of the things about traditional mindset is the idea that we all want to be like at the top. And there's nothing wrong with being at the top. It feels good, right? You make good money, but there's also other values. And for some of us, our value might be, I want a flexible work life so I can enjoy my time with my family. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I would say, take that space and reflect. What is it that you want? Prioritize them, write them down. We don't spend enough time for ourselves, especially as parents, right? Right. Reflecting on what we actually need and then start your search and your exploration through that lens. And it starts to shape things. Because if we're doing what we're passionate about and it doesn't fit what our values are, what our, our lifestyle is, we're going to get burnt out anyways. Absolutely. If you're commuting for an hour and a half each day, and even if you're doing your passion, you're going to get burnt out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so it's okay to have a job you're not passionate about. You could have a job that's like, you know what? This pays my bills. This takes care of my family. And I don't have a commute. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I, I am the less stressed. Right, because there's so much stress out there. And so again, being open yourself up to these different ways of work. We have them now. And what's crazy, I just posted this the other day on LinkedIn. I was like, we're not going back to this idea of just strict nine to five. For these organizations that do that, here's what happens. Anyone that has a remote job and flexibility tells all their friends. And all their friends go start going, Oh, I gotta get me one of those. And they start looking. So these organizations, they're going to be forced to change. And, you know, start looking now, um, you know, and make a plan. Maybe you can't move right now, but make a plan. If you need to, you want to be in a remote job next year, then reverse engineer it. What do you need to do in the next year in order to be in that remote job? Now you say you've mentioned LinkedIn a lot. Is that kind of your go-to place to look for jobs? Um, yes and no. I would say, uh, LinkedIn, you know, for me, the work I do, I do a lot of training around future of work and career changes. So, um, I'm on LinkedIn a lot. I think LinkedIn is good for research, right? We have profiles, but it's great for research. So researching people, career paths, um, you know, I follow a lot of interesting people on LinkedIn. You know, if you're trying to get industry news, you can follow industry people. Um, I also subscribe to a lot of industry newsletters. You know, if you're looking to make a change, there's so much good content out there from people that are putting out their, their expertise from their industry that you can read about. And um, I find that really useful as well. So between the two of them, that's what I, where I spend my time. 
Okay, got it. Are you always open to new jobs? So the way that I work, I like to call myself a curious optimist or opportunist. Um, and someone recently said on my own podcast, she was like, well, I don't, the opportunist feels like a dirty word. I was like, it's not though, right? Like if you're taking charge of your career, you're saying, okay, I'm doing this thing here, but I'm also, I'm looking out and I'm saying, is there something else that might fit me? And that's how my career has been. I did not plan to become a conversational designer. I just happened to get really interested and this opportunity popped up and I went, well, maybe, you know? Yeah, yeah. So we have about three minutes left and I want to make sure we promote your book and your program. So tell us about your book. Yeah, so my book is uh, essentially a lot of what we talked about today, but um, really reframing how we talk about careers, right? The career ladder is dead, so now what? We face a lifetime of career changes. So the book really covers um, both what's happening with the future of work. What does it mean? Are robots really taking our job? Break that down into something that actually means something. Um, and then I break down how to make a career change, no matter if you know what you want to do or you don't know what you want to do. And I talk about the different paths. So how do you choose a boot camp or an online program or a certificate program? Really making sense of these learning experiences. And then kind of the best part, uh, there's a choose your own adventure story in the middle of it. Tell us what the title of the book is and when and how can we get it? Yeah, it's called Punch Doubt in the Face, How to Upskill, Change Careers, and Beat the Robots. And it's out in November. And so um, I'm going to be doing a bunch of events online, virtual events. And so people can go to punchdoubt.com. Um, and that's not punched out. It is P-U-N-C-H-D-O-U-B-T. <laughs> Punchdoubt.com. Okay. And then we're going to have that web link in the show notes, uh, but it's punchdoubt.com. And then you have a program. I have a podcast as well. It is for career changers. So it's called 50 Conversations. And I interview 50 people about their career changes to see how they did it. And it is wild. All the different ways you can change careers. There's no one way to do it. And so, um, and that's at 50 conversations with the number 50. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. And then do you have a website? Um, the, my website is futureskills.blog. Yeah. Futureskills.blog. Okay. So go there. If you want to have a conversation with Nicole, get more information about what she does. Do you have a quote that you love in your life to share? Oh, uh, I think the best advice I've ever get, um, received uh, from uh, two women who I was interviewing when I wasn't sure what I was doing in my career was say yes to the conversation. And it's really guided me in a lot of ways. Uh, we tend to, you know, kind of hang out online all the time. But that interaction with people and that human connection is so important when we're making big changes in our lives. So if you get the opportunity to talk to someone or, um, you know, say yes to it. Yeah. And I love that, you know, that curiosity. It's always... So Absolutely. much better. I think it's better than even passion. I agree. Yes. <laughs> Follow your curiosity for sure. Yeah. Okay, listeners, thank you so much for your time and keep on learning and keep on growing. See you next week. Thank you so much for joining us today. Go to parentpumpradio.com and click on the pink box on the top of our homepage to listen to our new and archived shows. To be instantly notified of new episodes, subscribe to our RSS feed. The RSS feed button is located at the top of the page where all our shows are featured. And after listening to the show, go to parentpumpradio.com or our Facebook page to leave your comments, questions, and topic suggestions. Until next time, have a wonderful week.